Hi guys, how are you both doing? Hi. Doing great. Hi there. Doing great. Fantastic, fantastic. You know, my audience can't see what's going on right now, but you guys are absolutely killing it. Um, <laughs> so Hannah is recording in a fully blown studio, um, and Sebastian looks like you're recording off of uh, off of the USS Enterprise or something like that. You know, <laughs> if the USS Enterprise had potted plants, that's right. Yes. USS conference room. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually, I'm, I'm really, as a, as a designer, I'm really appreciating what I'm seeing on the Zoom screen. Omar, you've got this fantastic dark blue room that you're in with this chandelier. <laughs> yes. I'm in this white futuristic room. Hannah, you're in this very woody wood room. Uh-huh. It's, we're, yep, very distinct styles for all three of us. <laughs> we need a Absolutely, need a but I for, one, I, I, for one can, I for one can say that I'd much rather be in Sebastian's room, to be honest. That kind of, you know, clean, sleek look is definitely, I'm feeling that. I like it. It's very, <laughs> very cool. But then again, the musician in me is definitely, you know, hoping that I would marry someone like Nick, to be completely honest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good perk. It's a good perk. Uh I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. But before we get, we kind of get caught up um, uh, and whatnot. Uh, why, why don't you guys uh, kind of take turns in introducing yourself? Why don't we start with Hannah? Sure. Uh, Hannah, who who are you, and and what is it that you do? Sure. So uh, my name's Hannah. I uh, I am uh, the brand manager uh, at Not Neutral. I've been um, been with the company for about eight years almost, which is um, hard to believe. And uh, I've done a number of things at Not Neutral. Of course, we're a small business, so everyone does a number of things. You know, every day we all wear a lot of hats. Um, but I started in more of a strictly sales role. And over time, started taking on more and more, you know, marketing and brand management tasks. Um, and so now that's my official capacity uh, with Not Neutral is, you know, managing our communication with our customers, our social media, our, you know, b- business development strategy, um, but of course, you know, I still work with a lot of customers, do a lot of sales, um, pack the occasional box. <laughs> like I said, we're a, we're a small team. So, um, but I've, I've worn a lot of hats here and, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Sebastian, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Um, so unlike Hannah, who is an incredible dynamo at Not Neutral doing all the different roles, I'm a little bit more straightforward. I'm a creative director. And I'm a creative director at Rios, uh, as well as Not Neutral. And uh, we'll get into the relationship between those two design companies down the road. But I've been working with Hannah, as well as uh, another one of our designers, Treaty, and um, coming up with all these great ideas together about what to do with the Lino line, as well as uh, developing new lines. Extraordinary. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I have to say, and I've said this on one of my previous podcasts, uh, that in, in what I do for a living as well, which is strategic consultancy, I, w- I work with tech companies, um, you know, companies like Facebook and stuff like that. And uh, one of the things I say very, very often is the most interesting, fascinating individuals I ever work with are designers, industrial designers and product designers. Um, you know, you guys have always got the most interesting perspectives on problem solving that I've that I've come across. So it truly is a pleasure to be able to have this conversation. Now, you guys kind of made a few comments about things like Lino line, packing boxes and stuff like that. But um, I, I, I don't think that we've actually told our audience who not neutral are. Um, so 
I know I've mentioned Not Neutral in a couple of episodes previously about mm -hmm. them being my favorite uh, favorite cups, in particular oh. the Lino line and the uh, the Vero, the Vero glasses, I believe it yeah. is. The um, which um, you know I have uh, I made this uh, ex uh, made this comparison previously. My my favorite glass um, was previously one of the Baccarat um, uh, glasses. And I have to say, for quite a bit less, you can get uh, <laughs> uh, you can you can get something that really equals in in experience in the form of the Vero line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really, really great stuff. Uh, but why don't one of you take the liberty of explaining who Not Neutral are? What is it that you guys do? Well, first of all, Omar, thank you. High compliment. Not neutral, better than background. I want to make sure your audience hears <laughs> That's that. That's right. In fact, can I get <laughs> for a, quote? a fraction yeah. of the price. <laughs> <laughs> we got a sound, sound bite right there great i love it yeah that's right uh and also i i knew you were a fan of our our products but uh, i didn't realize the degree to which you were a fan so really appreciate that we love to hear those stories about people coming in contact with our products and, and walking away realizing that there's a difference uh, i've heard that a lot um so uh i should to tell you about not neutral i think han and i have to back up to where not neutral how not neutral came to be and then from that how this cup line came to be within the not neutral company so we are a multidisciplinary design firm uh, called rios based in los angeles and we design everything from you know small residential projects and and parklets to uh, big master plans and uh, major commercial mixed-use developments we really are designers that like to do everything and because of that We've created a, a, a company that we embrace many different disciplines, interior designers, landscape architects, architects, product designers. We've even had fashion design um, and certainly graphic design, experiential design all in one house because we really believe that all those different disciplines, when they come together, can yield a really amazing experience or a really amazing um, place. Uh, and in the case of Not Neutral, really amazing product. So early on in Rios's uh, history, a um, chef approached us in LA and asked us uh, to design the space. And again, because we're designers that like to design everything, once the space design was developed, uh, we looked at the plates and the cups and we're like, let us, let us have a crack at that too. And so uh, we were allowed to take that on and we developed a line of customized plates and cups for this restaurant that was tied into the experience of the restaurant. They were very graphic, which was something you didn't see in the market at that time. And really the name Not Neutral kind of came from that idea that not to have a neutral position in when you're designing anything, even when it's a cup, that there should be an attitude about it. There should be a position. Hannah, you wanna add anything to that? Um, sure, yeah, so that was the, and that was back in 2001. I want to say, I, I think that's yep. when we officially have declared our founding. Um, and so the, the cups for that restaurant were really the first not neutral product, but that led uh, Rios and, and the team that came to be not neutral to start looking at these smaller scale designs. Um, so there was a lot of tableware, but in the early years there was other home decor, there were rugs. Um, uh, you know, accessories for the garden. There was baby furniture. Um, so we really had um, a diverse offering at the time, you know, things for all parts of the home. And it was really just, it was a place for 
um, those sort of shorter term, you know, small scale designs to happen for the firm. Interesting. Okay, so so I, th- I think this is something that's quite fascinating, right? Is essentially not neutral is part of this. Let's call it a portfolio mm-hmm. of of brands and companies that are uh, uh, it's it's under the umbrella of this um, uh, of this product design firm. Mm-hmm. Is it, have I kind of got that right? That's exactly right. Actually, not neutral would well yes, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not neutral is the product is is specifically a firm uh, now. Uh, designing products for tabletop, for coffee, tea. Um, Rios is a multi, multi-disciplinary design firm where the majority of our work are large-scale architecture projects, high-end, single-family residential, um, landscapes, um, experiential designs uh, at uh, big uh, venues globally. So we're actually a, a pretty <laughs> robust design firm. Within Rios, we also do design product, we love to design furniture, and we look for every opportunity to design custom furniture within our um, within our spaces and places and buildings and landscapes. Because again, we we we're again like the name not neutral for the, the coffee cup company. We really think about the experience, enriching the experience at every scale. So, you know, we think about the scale, the master plan, the building, what you're sitting on, and then in the case of not neutral, we really started to pay close attention to what you're holding in your hand, how you're drinking mm. your coffee. And so hopefully this is why uh, one of the reasons why you became a fan of our product is when you picked up our cappuccino cup or when you picked up our mug, you felt the difference. And, and um, that's really one of the hallmarks of the design. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating you mentioned that. And But before I kind of get into this question that I was going to ask, I, I have to say there is a fluidity and an organic nature uh, to what you guys have been creating, which is quite extraordinary. Um, and what, what the way that I've been explaining your cups to many people, and, and this is, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment, but before I do that, I, I, I'd like to say that when people say, isn't a cup just a cup, right? It's, uh, for God's sake, is, uh, you know, calm down, Omar, you're, 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 you're getting too excited over a cup. <laughs> um, no such thing. Um, and I, and I, I kind of say to them, I'm like, well, it's very rare when you find, and unfortunately, a cup is just a cup, and most cups are just cups. Um, but it's very rare when you find a product that is more than the sum of its parts. Uh, and that's definitely what I see in the products that you guys are making with Not Neutral. But to play devil's, devil's advocate for a second, and let's rewind the clock to when you were designing that restaurant project, and it was, you know, a, a great project, and you decided to take on that uh, the, the 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 task of designing these plates isn't just a plate a plate you know i mean does it is, isn't it what what's 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 there to really design um uh, what what how did you guys think about that at the time uh it's a wonderful wonderfully phrased question um you know isn't a plate just a plate <laughs> a plate can be so many so many more things, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's fr- literally framing an experience, your food that you're about to eat, the meal you're about to have. And, and you can imagine the, ar- the array of picture frames that we've, <laughs> that, that are out there. You can imagine, you can imagine how changing the frame changes the way you look at the artwork within mm. it. And so recognizing that the plate is a frame and then, but again, this frame, you pick up a lot. 
So how does it feel in your hand? Does it feel sharp? Does it feel soft and rounded? Is it thin? Is it thick? Is it heavy? All those things, uh, for those of us who are really sensitive, very consciously lead to experience. But we believe, as we believe for people who uses, use our places and buildings that we design, that even if you don't consciously register something, you will subconsciously pick up all these cues that lead to a richer experience. And in the case of holding a cup or picking up a plate or looking at the plate and the graphics that are on there, all those things will play into what you ultimately walk away with, which is a memory of a good experience, a positive experience. That, that's really quite fascinating because I, I don't know, have any of you guys read any work by a guy called Professor Charles Spence? No, sounds like we have to. I, yeah, add to uh, the reading defi- list. Uh, de- definitely highly recommend it. I'm guessing you guys have heard of a chef called Heston Blumenthal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so Heston um, uh, worked with a guy called Professor Charles Spence. Uh, he's uh, an alum at um, uh, the university I studied at, Oxford, and um, uh, he's, a, he's a professor there and he studies, um, he's one of the fa- founding fathers of molecular gastronomy. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Um, it was him and Heston, actually, that kind of made the modern version of molecular gastronomy that we're all familiar with today. And um, it was his work that really made, uh, it, it uh, made me realize that even the color of the, of the plate that you eat out of has a dr- drastic uh, impact on the way that you perceive the taste of the food on that plate. Um, I think he, he found in his studies that uh, eating off of a black plate actually enhances the bitterness of the meal, hmm. whereas eating off of a red plate enhances the sweetness of the meal, uh, which is why he recommends having red plates which are for dessert. <laughs> um, oh, fascinating. So it, it really is amazing. And I, th- I think, as you said, Sebastian, very eloquently, um, well, you said that those who are led by experience are more sensitive to those kind of things, which I think people are now starting to realize that a chef is more like an artist and a good one at that. And, you know, and, and the plate is essentially his canvas. And, um, you know, that that's really the delivery system, the same way that a great barista, the cup is is the is the canvas. And, you know, it's it's, it's their job to create that beautiful product. And, and with coffee, Absolutely. too, when I, you look at all of the steps in the chain uh, in making a great cup of coffee, you know, you've got coffee beans being carefully grown halfway across the world, harvested, processed, uh, you know, shipped across the world, carefully roasted, you know, by highly trained coffee roasters, tasted, tested, brewed by these baristas, um, you know, with, with such care and such expertise the cup is the last piece. It's the thing that the customer holds in their hand. And if there's something about the cup that's distracting or that the handle is really tiny and it shakes in your hand or, you know, it slides around in the saucer or it drips, um, it really doesn't do any service to all the other players that have made this cup of coffee really fantastic. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I cannot tell you, uh, Hannah, how many times I've made a beautiful espresso mm-hmm. or a lovely filter coffee or whatever it might be. And it's totally marred. The experience is totally marred by terrible, terrible glassware or having a having a shitty mug or something. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's the worst thing ever, you know, especially those weird 
ones that are somehow injection molded. I don't know how they do it, but you've, they've got that seam on the inside of the handle. Sure, right. yeah. You know that uh-huh. that digs in on the. Oh, it has, it's, to, it's it has right. to do it's with yeah, right. the way yeah, the molds I, are made. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree yeah. more, uh, Omar. I was just staying at a hotel uh, and I picked up the coffee cup and I, it, it was completely unergonomic. I had to move a finger <laughs> in order to set it back down onto the table. And it just made something that should be fluid and unconscious and easy. It suddenly became just a little bit more stilted. And it, it's, it's, it really does affect how you experience things when something doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to back up real quick to what you said about the, the equating, you know, the, the canvas for the chef to the, the cup being the canvas for the barista. So you, you just touched on something that was a, a driver in the design. So the, the Lino line um, was born from the original, uh, the prototype of the Lino line was a cappuccino cup. And your audience can't see this, but I have a few of them sitting in front of me and I'm holding the eight ounce cappuccino cup, which has an unusually large opening at the top. So it's a little bit more like a flattened bowl, a little bit more flattened of a bowl than a typical cappuccino cup. Um, And also inside of it is a a smooth contour, which is what helps the baristas, um, the the fluid dynamics of the milk that they're pouring into there to create their latte art. They have better control because of that contour. But what I want to get at is we opened up the face of the cappuccino cup to create a bigger canvas for the barista as well. So they actually have more room to play in. And that was one of the key elements of this design. How interesting, you know, it kind of makes sense though, right? Is that if you're going to be playing around with things like latte art and stuff like that, the more headspace you have, um, uh, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that that, that that would obviously make things significantly easier. And, and you're, you're totally right. The, in, the parabolic slope, I think it's called, um, uh, the inside of the cup, it seems yes. to be significantly more seamless uh, yep. as opposed to a steep drop. Um, so that's very fascinating. But from what I understand, the Lino line in particular was designed with a very famous LA-based cafe store, right? I'm not very familiar with them, but I think they call Intelligentsia. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're not LA-based, actually. They're Chicago-based. And ah. I'm going to let Hannah talk about this origin story. She's quite good at it. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The It began uh, with a collaboration with Intelligentsia. They, I, 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 they were actually selling some of our espresso cups in the in their store at the time, so they were familiar with the brand. They liked our designs, uh, but they weren't using them for service. Um, they were using uh, some cups that they were sourcing from Italy, and they um, they were basically unhappy with what they were receiving. Um, there were quality problems, you know, crooked logos and cases shipped without saucers, things like that. Um, but there was also a sense that, you know, the coffee industry has evolved uh, so much in this time. This was around, oh, 2008. Um, and so third wave coffee was really sort of hitting the scene. It was becoming um, this area of really rapid innovation. And they just felt that the cups available on the market weren't really meeting the times. They were really old fashioned. Um, they weren't very comfortable to hold. So there were a lot of issues and uh, so they came to they came to not neutral, um, you know, knowing our deep design background, um, uh, our association with Rios, that we were already doing these homewares, and basically said, "Can you do better?" <laughs> so that began a design process over a couple of years, um, 
And uh, it, it began with, you know, starting with really broad ideas. You know, are we really, are we rethinking the wheel? You know, um, so they really cast a wide net and they sort of narrowed it down to these concepts. And that idea of fluidity that you talked about was huge um, in the design. Uh, ergonomics was huge. And then focusing on how are baristas using these cups? How are they holding them? How has latte art changed what these baristas need to do their jobs? So it became a really close collaboration with um, some some real coffee heavy hitters at the time. Um, you know, Doug Zell was the the founder of Intelligentsia. Um, he sort of led the project. Kyle Glanville, who now owns um, Go Get Em Tiger out here, it's just, it's a really popular coffee shop. Several coffee shops actually. Um, uh, and then Nicely Alameda, who if you are into latte art, you've You've heard of Nicely, or you know him. He's aptly named, nicest guy in the world. Uh, and he runs a coffee shop now called Minotti's. Um, and is, like I said, really well known for, you know, world latte art champions several times over. You know what I mean? So really big, heavy hitters. Um, and they would, you know, once we hit a certain number of iterations, we were happy with a the design, they'd come in and give feedback uh, on aesthetics, on you know, what do what does a customer do when they pick up the cup? Do they stir it? Do they swirl the cup? Uh, and then eventually um, practicing with latte art. So we used uh, 3D printing to prototype. Um, and we would even, you know, paint the cups in a sort of ceramic coat so it looked like a ceramic cup. Uh, and then we would give it to baristas to play with. So they would pour latte art, they would take videos, they would take extensive notes on, you know, uh, the shape of the cup here makes the crema break when I when I pour this way. So it should be more curved. That's how we ended up with a very curved interior was, was based on their feedback. And, you know, this handle isn't quite big enough because it, it's really more comfortable if I can put, you know, two fingers in the handle. Um, Certainly the flat top of our cup, which I think is what makes it most distinct, um, came from that as well because it's, it's, a, it's, it's an issue of leverage. You know, you have great balance as a barista when you're holding, I'm gesturing here like as if I'm pouring latte art, um, you have great leverage when you've got your thumb on that handle. You can really control the way you need to tip the cup in order to pour latte art. So... You know, we we were there with the technology, we were there with the design sense to make it beautiful, but those technical aspects, um, those those technical aspects, um, you know, really came from uh, their expertise. You know, it's 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 really quite fascinating for me when I when I hear companies now. Can I ask Hannah when, when was this? What what year was this? The process began in around two thousand eight. Uh, and it took a couple of years. Okay. So the first ones hit the market in 2010. Okay, this is really interesting because it seems as though that nowadays, um, you know, fairly recently in the last couple of years, uh, you know, uh, product managers, product designers and stuff like that are now starting to really understand that to create a great product, you have to get the impression of the end user. You have to get the impression of the professionals and the individuals that are going to be using your bloody product. Mm -hmm. Um and unfortunately, well, fortunately, you know, I always say, you know, better late than never. Um, it seems as though that brands are now starting to understand that they can get rid of so much beta testing 
uh, and instead of using paid customer paying customers as beta testers mm-hmm. it's probably a better idea to put it into your product development um so it's really amazing to hear that essentially your entire product development or a good chunk of it at the very least was listening to the individuals that are going to be using your products yeah so that's really quite fascinating mm-hmm. and as a as a um as an enthusiast mm-hmm. Nowhere near on the level as someone like Nicely or a Lance Hedrick or something like that, right? Like these guys who are latte art champions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm probably a, I don't know, a, a latte art loser. It's probably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's probably my uh, probably more apt for me to be completely honest. I'm lucky if I get a dollop. Uh, but, uh, um, but uh, you know, for me, it's it's one of those things where. So, so many people and I, I don't know if you guys have heard of the brand Decent Espresso. Uh, are they UK based? No, they're, um, uh, they're, they're based in America, but they, they have a satellite in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, they make espresso machines. And I was talking to the founder, John Buckman, and we were essentially talking about the idea about having the best tools at your disposal to make the adoption of skill level as low as possible. So it's, it's essentially, you know, mitigating all variables to achieving the best possible result of which, you know, now it's the point where you're the only thing that's holding things back. Um, and I, I think that's what I get when I use the Lino cups, um, particularly when I'm preparing something like a milk based drink, like a flat white or a cappuccino, mm-hmm. uh, where I know if I'm doing a bad job, it's my fault. It's not <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Don't blame not neutral. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I, I wonder, um, guys, we've been talking about kind of the perspective of the barista. Uh, but I'm going to go back to the original question I asked you, Sebastian, which is, isn't a plate just a plate? What do you say to people when they say, but, you know, a cup is just a cup? And I wonder when you guys decided to take this project on, how did you think about things like the, the, the rim, for example? So the, the rim is something that's spoken quite a lot about in the alcohol world. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with wine mm-hmm. tastings and whiskey tastings, they prefer a very, very thin rim from what I understand. Um, how did you kind of think about those things? And, wh- and, and, and what, was, what was your thought process when it, come, when it came to those things? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, really... We tackled, I mean, we tackled the design of the cup like we would a complex, you know, building project, you know, really thinking about it holistically. And, you know, let's let's kind of walk through, you know, um, let's walk through the experience of drinking coffee. Where does it start? You're looking at the cup from a distance. So how does it look? Does the form grab you? Uh, you know, do you do you react to it positively? What is the what is the form communicating? Um, and when you, when our audience, um, gets in front of a Lino cup or a Lino mug, I I hope what they'll see is this sort of biomorphic design where it already speaks to, um, an idea about fluids or fluid, the movement of fluids from a distance. Then when you pick it up, of course, you know, we might, we might say that's the next experience when you pick it up, what does it feel like? And, and it's wonderful to see the reaction of people, um, I often will give free mugs to some of our clients. Um, it's wonderful to see their reaction when they pick up the mug or the the cappuccino cup and their thumb, their two fingers slide into their handle. The thumb naturally goes on top. 
And so often they just pause and they kind of look at what's happening here. Yeah, and they go, ooh. <laughs> it's a really yeah. great experience. <laughs> yeah, ooh, wow, that yeah. does feel good. I'm like, I, I know, it took us two years to do that. Um, <laughs> But so, so then there's, then that's the other key part of the experience is what does it feel like? And we are, we've already touched on how, when something doesn't feel right, how that is such a, you know, kind of upsets the experience. Um, and then the other, it can't, it has to feel good on your mouth as you were just talking about, not just in your hands. And we really engineered the thickness. We went through many, many different prototypes with our, with our uh, rapid prototyping machine and then testing, you know, first in the plastics and then in porcelain to get the right thickness post glazing because glazing adds a little mm -hmm. bit of thickness and roundness to it too. So it had to feel right uh, on your mouth. And so we've calibrated that feel in your mouth as well as in your hand. And um, that sounded a little bit like a, a, a motto from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was that? M&Ms. Um, but it had to feel good in both uh, both uh, your hand and your mouth to, mm -hmm. to complete the experience. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and, and I'm looking at the, the samples of the cups are sitting in, in front of me and I'm, you know, having to refresh my memory of all the different design issues that we tackled. And um, another one is how the cup in the case of the cappuccino cups or espresso cups, sit in the saucer. Hmm. So uh, a lot of times you'll see when you look around at, at, at different designs for cups and saucers, there's not as strong of a formal connection between formal relationship between the cup and the saucer. And in the case of the Lino line, you actually see the a fluid, a visual line connects the, the contour of the outside of the cup to the contour of the saucer and picks it up. So when they're sitting together, they feel more cohesive, more like one element. Mm -hmm. So that was really important. And then again, so looks are important, but also performance is important. And so when you carry, when you carry the cup through a crowded cafe full of beautiful piping hot milk and coffee, how does it slide? Does it slide around or mm -hmm. does it have a good purchase? Mm -hmm. And so we really, that form, that fluid form was actually helping us create a better purchase between the cup and the saucer so you're more likely to move comfortably and then the saucer also fits the contour of your thumb well just like the cup does so it all ergonomics form are all sort of working together the other thing about the saucer is um how does it lift up from the table so can you can a can a server can someone you know busting your table can a customer picking up their cup on the bar easily pick that cup up without you know, spilling or, or what have you. Um, it, it's all about ease. And I think when things are easy, in a way, the design disappears. Yeah. Um, which is it, it, it really important. Does. You know, a, a great design doesn't have to scream at you. <laughs> you know, a, a, a well-fitting um, suit or, or, or a garment isn't screaming like, hey, look how great I fit. It's It just is natural. And um, I think our cups at least seek to achieve that same sort of ease. Yeah, I think what was it? I think it was Steve Jobs or Johnny Ive, one of the two, uh, that said that uh, simplicity done right is one of the most complicated things. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, the more the more simple it looks, I guarantee you the more work went into it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know what? This is probably a little bit of a delusion of grandeur situation, to be completely honest. But you know, when 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 I first picked up the the coffee mug in particular, now. I had completely, just so you know a little bit about some of the journey that I've been through, right? So because of the 
horrendous quality of of um, chinaware and and mugs and stuff, particularly in the UK. Um, I had foregone the moment I I started really getting serious about my my coffee. I had pretty much cut out coffee mugs out of my out of my workflow routine. I had stopped using them, and I had gone over towards more glassware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, being able to see the coffee and, and typically speaking, particularly in the UK, glassware seems to be uh, manufactured to a slightly higher level as well, just generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, than mugs, unfortunately. I think there's only a couple of mug companies in the UK I can think of um, that are above mediocre, <laughs> I think is probably the best term that I could use. <laughs> uh, the rest of them are really not not worth, um, not, not worth it, especially if you're using... As you said, Hannah, coffee in itself is a very valuable commodity. That's right. Um, and it's not easy getting the best out of it either. No. Uh, you know, I mean, typically you need a very expensive grinder. You need a nice kettle. You need this. You need that. You know, there's a lot of money and effort being mm-hmm. put into it. And you don't want to ruin it by a dodgy mug. <laughs> so it was interesting for me when I first picked up the coffee mug. I did exactly the same thing that you just mentioned, uh, that you just showed actually, Sebastian, where... The two fingers go in, the thumb on top, and I'm I'm a fairly big guy. I'm about six foot five. Um, you know, I've got uh, you know largeish hands, I guess, and it fit my hands perfectly. Um, and I was like, my God, this is this is amazing. And it reminded me of the first time the iPhone came out, <laughs> where people picked it up for the first time, and the first thing they did was swipe because it was natural. It's exactly what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, that's why babies and children can use Apple products so well, because everything is just so human and natural. It's kind of what we were probably meant to do. It's very familiar. Mm-hmm. So that idea, that design ethos, I found it very, very familiar when I was using your products. And it's the things that you mentioned where that kind of cohesive nature between the saucer and the cup. It's not something I noticed until you mentioned it now. But the one thing I do notice is whenever I'm at a cafe... All I hear is the rattle of cups on saucers, you know, and and, and highly caffeinated individuals with their hands <laughs> shaking, you know. That's so can... true. Yeah, <laughs> the shaky coffee hands. <laughs> it's, it's, they... it's very true. And, you know, I will that that reminds me of something that you might find interesting, which is uh, we're about to we're very close to launching our, our new cup line, which um absolutely takes all the best lessons learned from Lino and the the 10 years it's been out there in the world and also addresses a couple of things that we could only discover through using Lino for a decade. Um, and one of them is, um, it's, it's a really fun experience and I'm sure Hannah enjoys it too, but you know, flying around the country and sometimes even, you know, internationally and walking into a cafe, not even thinking about work. You walk into a cafe. First thing you do is you walk up to the barista behind the espresso machine and right in front of you are a bunch of not neutral cups upside mm-hmm. down. Like, oh, that's first of all, amazing. They're using our product. Of course, I have to ask them, how, how are they enjoying it? Blah, blah, blah. But then I start, you know, start to realize your first introduction to the cup is upside down often. So what is this? We've never designed a cup upside down. What does it look like upside down? So in the new line, we actually, you know, created a couple of details 
that again, that first impression, that first way you experience the cup, not everyone will be looking at the cup, but some people will be registering the cup already when it's upside down, racked in front of them as they're smelling the coffee, talking to the barista. And so we wanna make sure it looked good upside down as well and conveyed some of the, the key um, Lino uh, successes, even upside down. And then we are that sort of, you know, the jittery hands walking across the crowded cafe we're actually the last round of design that we're doing right now in this new line is to perfect that again, how they connect together because it's just not connecting well enough because we recognize that that is a key performance characteristic that there's nothing for me, there's nothing more frustrating. It's like walking through a crowded bar with a, a drink and a martini glass. Who the hell invented I the martini glass? That. Someone who just wanted <laughs> so you to spill on Every time I drink yourself. a martini, I think whose idea was this? Jesus. Why would you put something that boozy? <laughs> In a glass right. that will spill. Designed at, at in a shape that is designed to create maximum velocity, launching your drink out. <laughs> it's right. like the perfect angle to launch a projectile. Yeah. So Give me a coupe martini design, glass. I, I believe. Please. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or a mug. Put yeah, it in, right. put put it in, in a, a not neutral mug. mug. Even uh, better. That might not be right either. I've always, I've always suspected that the martini glass inventor only cared about form. That was yeah. it. <laughs> and you know what? It does look um, great. <laughs> It does. It, it's iconic. It's iconic. Just don't walk through a crowded, crowded bar with a full, full exactly. glass of uh, yeah. alcohol in it. But anyhow, so that that for for us is a is you know really important thing. Like you don't want to be you know so focused on walking with your cup and your saucer. It should it should you should feel confident. It should be comfortable. You should be able to focus on other things. That's right. You should be able to focus on your date, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you should be able to focus <laughs> on your date, not not putting not putting the coffee on right. your date. That's not what you want. To do. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 funny though because there's there's it's it's one of those things where even with the current design, Sebastian, uh, the tolerances that you guys have created between the uh, between the saucer and the cup, it screams quality. It really does. Um, you know, the way that it just fits together, and I have to say, when I'm finished with my drink. And I pick it up from my. I have to say, having a a cappuccino, having your cup on a saucer is a very sophisticated feeling for me. Mm. It, it it really is. Actually, having a cup on the saucer is quite extraordinary. Um, it's not something that I'm used to. I don't think many people do that anymore. I think it's more of just having your cup. How you know? We all live very fast paced lives now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, particularly the millennial generation, we're always very busy. We always have a meeting to get to. Um, you know, we don't have time for these um, eccentricities uh, is maybe uh, the, the the incorrect word, but definitely a word that makes sense to me. Um, but uh, for me, taking a moment, slowing down and having a cohesive product that is the cup and the saucer is something that's very, very interesting to me. And like I said, it's like you can't have the cup without the saucer. They, they do. They, they shout as though that they were made together. But I wonder, um, when it comes to material selection, you mentioned porcelain. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, I've been, you know, moving um, uh, from glass to 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 uh, to uh, porcelain. Where is that what it's called? Or um, what, what's the right? What's the correct name? Porcelain. For it? Or porcelain ware in general is that is that the is that a correct term for, or is it glassware? I I I I, I wouldn't know. Um. 
uh, from from ceramics or porcelain. Yeah, yeah when, you can what see. Have you? Yeah. Oh yes, ceramics. Yes. Ceramics. Yes. Yes. Though, though our, yes. our Lino cups are made from porcelain, which is a type of ceramic. Sure. Mm. Yeah, ceramics. Sure. So yeah, that's that's yeah, the right word. Um, so, um, so you know, I, I I wonder what was it? What was the reason why you guys chose porcelain? Because I know a lot of companies now are, you know, so many companies they swear by materials like titanium they say that because of the thermal coefficients it's just perfect and stuff like that and other companies um you know swear by glass why did you guys choose porcelain well i mean that's a good question and um that's interesting i didn't know titanium was considered an ideal (laughs) yeah there was a insulator there I would was imagine a, it would have to be double wall titanium because I think I, titanium is probably a good I, conductor. I agree. I, I thought it was a great conductor, actually. Um, uh, but there was a uh, there was an article that I was reading the other day. Uh, it was a Japanese company that makes titanium cups hmm. um, that was swearing by the uh, by the uh, thermal coefficients of it. And mm. I was like, hmm, the, the same way that copper is a thermal uh, is has yeah. a great thermal coefficients. I don't know. Uh, this seems a bit uh, well, copper, a bit strange copper's. To me. Copper is a great conductor, and that's why we use it for wires and for precisely. Pots yeah, and that's pans. Uh, right. I, I met that so in a that sarcastic pull, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to look into that just out of yeah, curiosity. Um, you've given us lots of research to do after this. Um, so porcelain. I mean, porcelain is. It, it's been used for millennium. I mean, it is, or at least a millennium. I don't know how many millennia, mm-hmm. but at least. <laughs> um, it's it it. Being uh, a heavy, a massive uh, sort of stone-based, if you will, uh, material, it naturally holds heat. Um, and so, you know, in, in the 21st century, it's this material still is very cost-effective to create mm. something that is durable um, and can hold heat well. And, um, you know, it doesn't, yes, when you pour piping hot coffee into a mug, if you grab it by its sides, you, you can, you know, really feel the heat. But with something like porcelain or other ceramics, it, that, it does that at a slower rate than a lot of other materials would. So it's still also excellent for insulating in that regard. Um, and then for us, you know, we've had internal discussions about porcelain versus a more expensive sort of stone uh, clay body. Sure. Uh, that you might associate with more sort of um, crafty ceramics mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than mass-produced ceramics. And we've talked about the pros and cons of each. They each have uh, a different feel, a different weight, uh, a different visual appearance, and they also have a different cost. And so with the Lino Cup line, we took all those, uh, all those issues into consideration. And ultimately, because we were designing a high-performance, beautiful product that needed to be durable for a commercial setting, porcelain was the right choice sure are there circumstances perhaps in the future where or or is it or is there a line that you already offer where you are using some of those more kind of you know crafty uh, artisanal uh, ceramic products so we did uh yes and uh the new line that's coming out we are uh looking into using more of a um a different clay body that's more of like it's called a terracotta a terracotta body and that's that's going to do some interesting things with the glazes and the appearance as well. So we love the idea. Um, something that we're playing with is, you know, the high tech form, high tech manufacturing process, with contrasting with something that's more earthy, low tech. Um, that that really speaks to the ethos of our design company as well. Embracing the past, best qualities of the past, with 
uh, very progressive, forward-looking ideas about design and form. Um, but it, but yes, yeah, so short answer is we are playing with other sort of clay bodies. And then also with the Lino line, we did a couple of commemorative um, releases. And in one of them that we did last year, uh, we gave the form, the shape of the, the mug, to some very well-known LA-based ceramic artists. And they recreated it um, using their own glazes. Um, we, we had the cup manufactured for them in a, in a different clay body that was just had to do that for logistics, but then they took it and used their own, um, distinctive glazing styles to finish the cups out to really beautiful effect. And, uh, one of the artists, um, Heather Levine, she actually revealed a lot of the clay body underneath in her glazing design. It was really beautiful to see this sort of, uh, very, um, contemporary biomorphic form rendered in something really crafty and earthy. It was wonderful. Amazing. Amazing. Isn't it extraordinary that something as simple as a mug or a cup can kind of, you know, put in the correct hands, they really are able to open up the artistic elements of it. It's such a fascinating thing I always find about artistic individuals. They can kind of, you know, really do wonders with uh, with everyday objects. It really is amazing to see that. Mm -hmm. It was Absolutely. a it was a fun project, and in fact, we've we've continued uh, to do these artist collaborations. Um, so we'll be coming out with, I believe, five uh, five more limited edition um, artist collections around the holidays this year. It's 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 been a wow. lot of fun to just sort of to give someone this form, which is really recognizable and um, and distinct, and say, "Have at it! You know, do whatever you want with this design." Um, so we're, we're really excited about those releases this year. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. You know, before I before I ask my next question, there was something interesting that I was reading. Um, uh, I was for no reason at all, just because I'm a weirdo. Uh, I was doing some research into the um, uh, into the uh, uh, the study of the hippocampus in the brain mm -hmm. and uh, uh, how the hippocampus triggers particular things that you deal with and awakens memories that you didn't know that you had. Um, and one thing that I noticed recently is, um, particularly in the UK, the the purchase of commercial grade um, uh, cupware, ceramics, has kind of skyrocketed. Hmm. And people don't realise that the reason they're doing that is because they are so desperate to have that cafe experience um, that they're buying the caps that they recognise in their local cafes. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like they're having this re really unusual um, uh, and interesting hippocampus effect where, you know, just by having that cup that you're that you recognize and and that you you uh, you relate to your favorite cafe. Um, it's almost creating that entire uh, atmosphere. And that, that's something that I did really enjoy using the Lino cups is it really reminded me of being in my favorite cafes again yeah <laughs> um and and help me get over lockdown depression it was um, uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know we we all gravitate uh to, towards what feels good mm -hmm. you know and and sometimes that's memory based sometimes that's your first ex you know you just it's a first time experience and it, it's sort of an awakening this this just this feels familiar even though i've never experienced it before and it's interesting how uh you know, you, you touched on something that's really important to us as designers is, is we want to create good memories. Mm -hmm. And so you keep coming back, <laughs> you keep, whether it's the cup or the park we designed, <laughs> you know, you keep coming back and discover something new every time. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that is interesting that what we've seen happen in the last, you know, 
18 months during the pandemic is how people are, what they're bringing into their homes, Mm -hmm. you know, suddenly people are baking their own bread and becoming master chefs and recreating the cafe experience Mm -hmm. at home. Yeah. Having the experience of communicating with a lot of our customers, uh, you know, simply seeing the, the, the sales that come through with, um, you know, running our, our social media accounts and having conversations with folks, you definitely see people um, upping their home coffee game <laughs> these days. And it's it's true, you know, for us, I mean, we're essentially, the bulk of our business is restaurant supply. So restaurants closing was a scary thing for us, right? Um, but mm. what we saw was that exactly, exactly what you said is that people wanted to recreate that experience at home. Um, and, and happily for a small company like us, they wanted those cups in their home. Um, they, and they wanted the, their brewing equipment and they were asking about, okay, I'm making espresso at home now. Which cups should I get? And what pitchers do you recommend? So we, we, we um, even watching, you know, uh, on Instagram, all of our tagged photos, we're used to seeing all these tagged photos in cafes saying, oh, here's my cappuccino, my favorite cup. All of a sudden was, look how much better my latte art is getting at home. So lots of, um, lots of home enthusiasts were born. Uh, and we were we were there to help. Yeah, I I, I agree mm-hmm. to be completely honest, but I do find it a bit suspicious <laughs> how many uh, fit how many fitness experts all of a sudden came <laughs> out right. the moment lockdown happened. Yeah. Right, you know it was um it. <laughs> It was amazing how many people all of a sudden became experts on on everything under the sun the moment lockdown happened. It was quite extraordinary, I have to say. Folks became yeah. uh, industrious, every, every, many at least. <laughs> exactly. Every, 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 everyone had a course that you could buy all uh-huh. of a sudden. It right. was very interesting. Right. <laughs> what did you learn to do, Omar, during lockdown? You know, I I, I learned uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't study the hippocampus. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I um, made duck fat French fries for ooh. the first time in my life. That was oh that my was god. my pandemic culinary wow. culinary adventure. Oh my god! How were they? You know what? I found that I liked it better. Well, first of all, I'd never made French fries in my life, and then sure. experiment with duck fat French fries. So great! I decided to experiment with different oils, and I found that sunflower oil was my favorite. Wow! Is that Light right? And light and crisp and fluffy french fries versus meaty and dense denser french fries and again i'm an amateur so maybe i did something wrong maybe i needed to freeze my french fries overnight my potatoes overnight but anyhow you know you know i was um i I was kind of uh and again i don't ask me why but i was i was researching the viscosity of certain uh of certain oils and um i i think you're i think you're onto something there because um a lot of people don't enjoy the 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 richness of uh, of uh, of animal fat um, uh, fried uh, fr- fried chips, and I think it's something to do with the viscosity at higher temperatures. Mm. Um, because I, I was very lucky to be able to have a conversation with Heston. Mm, cool. Um, so so Heston is best friends with the guy that makes my glasses. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So you can see his food better. Perfect. I love <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. It's, it's a complete experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. He should use our um, plates and then it's an ecosystem yeah. of, ex- of, of that's experience. A, that's <laughs> an introduction I need to make. I'm telling you, you know, the fat duck, oh, yeah. which is his restaurant, it needs it needs uh, it needs some not neutral stuff. I'm telling you oh. that right now. Oh, we should. I would that would be amazing to design the ultimate vessel for different gastronomical wow. experiences with him. 
you know what this is this is this is um, a match made in heaven uh, yeah after this after this um uh, this episode i'd love to make an introduction between you guys and professor charles spence and heston um you know Fantastic. Um, i think i think that'll i think that'll be quite an interesting project to work on but Absolutely. also but talking about like the creative process behind it i'm very interested to know about the actual manufacturing process you know how how do you guys make this stuff um is, is there a lot of handwork involved? Is it primarily machinery? Um, you know, what's the situation there? Yeah, sure. so a lot of ceramics are handmade, mm -hmm. and and when they're when they're entirely handmade, you can have a hundred of quote unquote the same cup in front of you, and each one will look pretty remarkably different. Um, generally speaking, what we're all all used to using are machine made, even if they appear to be handmade. Um, ours are hybrid. They're mostly, uh, they mostly come out of a mold, but in order to get this, the signature blended handle at the top of the rim, you know, what we're all been talking about here about your thumb lands on that feels so good, that actually has to be added on by hand. So machine made in terms of using a mold, but then once it's out of a mold, someone has to by hand blend blend that handle into the lip. And so that does, you know, add, it adds a bit to the manufacturing process, but we really think it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. The, Amazing. The, the cut bodies themselves are made from a two-part mold um, because you, like, you'll notice a lot of cups, the inside shape is identical to the outside shape, just at a different scale, whereas ours, we have this slope on the inside. So that necessitates a slightly more complex manufacturing process. But again, you know, to us, it's worth it. Um, so that's made from a two-part mold. And then the, the handle is made um, from a separate mold and applied by hand. And that seam that you're talking about on, the, uh, on you know, some ceramics that you see, that's from slip casting, which is a different, uh, a different technique um, where the whole vessel is basically made in one mold and then pop the mold apart and that seam is where the mold came apart so um we we've 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 gone to great lengths to make sure that it <laughs> seam stays invisible um but it does take you know it takes more care um which we consider worth it absolutely yeah. no I, I i i totally agree mm -hmm. and you know for, for for me again as i said it's it's to do with that kind of organic nature mm -hmm. uh, that i i really do find very very fascinating every single time i use something from from the lino line and i i, I wonder and i'd like to ask this question to hannah first out, out of all of the stuff that not neutral mm -hmm. makes what what is what's your favorite thing that uh, that 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 you guys stock and why is it why, why is that the case that's a great question um man well you know what i use every day uh, is our six ounce cappuccino cup. Um, so that's, that's what I make myself at home. Um, that's what I like to drink. So maybe I have a, a bit of a bias, uh, <laughs> since it's a part of my daily ritual. Um, and you're also a former barista. I should have said that at the top. So you yeah. know how to make a good cappuccino. That's right. Yeah, I have a... I have, Are you really? I, yes. I, I worked uh, in specialty coffee before I came to uh, Not Neutral. Um, oh, lovely. Could have mentioned that. I, that's, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> perhaps I should have said that at the top. I began my career in, in technology, uh, in technology sales, which is, um, you know, cutthroat and exhausting and, um, uh, you know, really 
wasn't quite my speed. Worked for a while, and um, when I burnt out, I got a barista job while I was figuring out what I wanted wow. to do next. And I had, you know, done it in high school and worked in restaurants, and um, so I did have some background um, with food. Did, did you enjoy it? Loved it. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I loved it. I, I, I had so much fun. I loved, you know, perfecting, um, you know, coffee making. I love, I mean, I love to drink coffee, so that was, that's sort of a given. You have to, you have to love drinking it, to love making it. Um, there was always something to learn, you know, there was always something to get better at. I loved interacting with the customers. It, um, it, it, it was great. <laughs> I would, I, I, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun and, and it afforded me the time to figure out, you know, what was next for me. And, um, uh, not neutral was a great place for me to land because I could take this, this experience that I had, um, professionally and, you know, the sales and marketing and, um, you know, also some fundraising and things I'd done in the past, um, with this expertise and sort of more passion that I had for coffee. Um, so it was a, it was a great way to mix my interests, but in any case, I do have a home barista advantage. So yeah, I make, I make great, I make sure. great coffee at home. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I like a, a six ounce cappuccino, but, um, I think our, our Vero glassware, um, in, in all the colors is also, um, a product that I'm really proud of and that I really, really love. I agree. It's, it's truly, from a tactility perspective, it really is, you know, something that screams quality to me. And everyone that I hand it to uh, is mm. just absolutely shocked and, and, uh, and, and, and flabbergasted <laughs> at how premium the, mm -hmm. thing, the thing feels. It's very, very weighty, very, yeah. very solid mm -hmm. and sturdy. Yeah. You know, I think are probably the right words that I would describe. Sebastian, what's your what's your uh, what's your uh, kind of thing that you're that you you enjoy the most out of your entire lineup? It depends on the time of day. Oh, right in, in the morning. In the morning, yeah. So I'm not a barista. <laughs> I wish I was, Hannah. You're gonna have to teach me. One we have day. a machine um, we can set up in the office. I'll, 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 I'll teach. Let's I'll show you some skills. All right. Um, right. Um, so in the morning, my morning ritual, and it truly is a ritual to wake up with the sun, doing a pour over mm. in our, um, we have a, a glass, a double walled glass carafe and filter holder. And because it's double walled glass, it's, it, you get to see the coffee get suspended inside the inner lining. And it's really quite beautiful. And I enjoy, I love making the coffee slowly, watching it fill up in this vessel and then drinking out of a lino mug. And uh, the one in particular that I use was done by one of our collaborations or uh, with one of the ceramicists. Um, so that's in the morning. At night, you mentioned our Vero line. Uh, I love the using the, the, the uh, six ounce Vero to sip tequila or mezcal, <laughs> particularly in the smoke colored glass. That is how I like to finish my evenings. Not every night. <laughs> <laughs> they are dual purpose, those very glasses. A couple nights of yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I, you mentioned some uh, a glass dripper. Mm -hmm. is, is that something that Not Neutral makes as well? Yes. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. We, it's, called the yeah, G, it's called the Gino line. And uh, we're about to start redesigning it. So there will be a Gino version 2.0 coming out sometime soon. But um, Hannah, do you want to talk about the the current product we have? Sure. Yeah. So it's called the Gino Dripper. Um, and it, and there's an accompanying server as well. Both pieces are double walled borosilicate glass. And, um, the, 
the reason for the double wall is, uh, you know, formally the reason is it was originally designed to sit on top of our mug, this piece with a very distinct handle. We didn't want to put mm. a handle on the dripper. <laughs> we wanted to really just, you know, sit atop it like a little crown. Um, the double wall allowed us to do that without creating a piece that would heat up and be too hot to take off of the glass. Um, functionally, it, it's a bit, it's, it's neat too because it insulates slightly the temperature of a slurry as you're brewing your coffee. So you actually lose a little bit less heat um, as you're brewing your coffee for a more consistent brew. We chose to do a three-hole design. So it's a flat-bottom dripper with a three-hole design um, because compared to a cone dripper where you um, you have to pay more attention, you know, <laughs> you have to pour very carefully. You're watching your timer. You're watching your scale. Um, it, it can, you know, God forbid you get distracted while making a pour over and it, it turns out tasting really bad. Um, we found the flat bottom design to be a bit more forgiving um, because those three holes really do regulate the speed of brewing. So you can still get as granular as That's you want with a flat bottom dripper in terms of your timing and your, uh, you, you know, the speed at which you pour, but uh, we, we found it to be a little more user friendly. Uh, and then the carafe is double walled as Amazing. well, so it holds holds the temperature of your coffee a bit longer than a traditional carafe. Omar, we're going to send you yeah. a set. We have to. You're such a I fan. know. I should have we're sent you one. We're sending right after this. We're going to we're going to mail it too. But and you'll see when you use it, what's really what's really wonderful. And again, what I enjoy every morning when I'm waking up is the coffee brewing process is not so visible usually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And here we've made it totally visible. You actually see the glass filter holder steam up and get obscured and the coffee dripping through and then you see the coffee collecting in the the craft below it's it's really kind of wonderful if you really enjoy coffee watching the slow process of getting brewed rather than having it all being sort of you know what's happening but it's being hidden by you know opaque metal or porcelain mm -hmm. um I, I i couldn't agree more with you uh, sebastian and you know i actually didn't know or at least i can't recall uh, realizing that you guys made a pour over system because uh, I, I, Hannah, I wonder, have you heard of a guy called Jonathan Garnier? Um, what's his product? Uh, so he doesn't oh, make okay. a product. So he's a astro. So he's an astrophysicist oh, okay. by okay. day, and he's a uh, he's a coffee uh, blogger by night. Okay. Um, he runs a very interesting blog called Coffee Ad Astra. Okay. Uh, I recently had a chat with him. It's a uh, we did an episode together, which hasn't been aired yet. Ooh, I can't wait to hear uh, it. But he is a. He is a nutter when it comes uh -huh. to pour over. Uh -huh. uh, and it's funny because all the things that you guys just mentioned uh, are things that we have both agreed and our research tells us that make the perfect uh, brewer. Uh, we, are, we are both huge fans of a flat bottom style. And the reason is, is because of the dispersion of, of, um, of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cone, uh, cone uh, brewers are, in my opinion, uh, flawed. They're, they're, they're flawed designs uh, of which you have a small amount of area being bombarded with a high amount of pressure, mm. which increases extraction at the very at the very tip mm -hmm. and decreases extraction at the very top. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have that issue when you're dealing with a flat bo uh, with a flat bottom. So, yeah, definitely. That's 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 amazing. How long did that take you guys to kind of come up with? Was that something that you spent a lot of time on? How long was that process? Usually. Yeah, it you know, it was a couple of years after the yeah. Lino line. I, you know, the, the, usually our design process, uh, this may sound remarkable 
to listeners, particularly those who aren't designers and used to going through that process of prototyping and whatnot, but it usually takes about a year to year and a half mm -hmm. to go from inception to signing off on the final product. So that's about how long it took. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I'm very excited, actually, to try that out, because like I said, there's that there were two things. Number one is temperature stability, uh, where a double wall mm -hmm. design kind of gets over mm -hmm. that. Uh, one of the most difficult things doing a pour over is maintaining that slurry temperature. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, Jonathan said that by uh, doing uh, three to four different pours during your pour over, that is a way of maintaining slurry temperature. Mm -hmm. But mm. a lot of people can't be asked to do that. That's a bit much. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know you have to be patient um, you know my my friends and colleagues who just like to like to wake up be half asleep and just hit that button on their nespresso machine and walk away this is not for them they're they're moving too fast to each his own <laughs> exactly right exactly right Absolutely. But, you know, a double wall design kind of allows you to do a single pour and really you keep that temperature of the slurry as high as possible. So, yeah, um, that'll be excited to kind of um, uh, give that a bit of a whirl. Uh, thank you so much for the yeah, offer. Of I appreciate it. Um, and uh, Sebastian, you kind of mentioned earlier that you guys are working on this very interesting uh, product lineup that's taking all the lessons that you learned from the Lino and, and um, implementing those. Uh, when is when is that going to be uh, coming out and is there any more details you can share? Yeah, we'll share a little bit more detail without revealing too <laughs> much, but um, we will be releasing it in the first half of next year. And um, we, you know, after 10 years of great success and uh, of the Lino line, you know, we really thought hard about what, what, how, how do we approach how do you, how do we approach the next line and make it something that's you know feels uh, like it's tackling a new frontier aesthetically, uh, but at the same time retaining all the best qualities of uh, this successful not neutral line uh, that's in Lino. And so, you know, we distilled we distilled it down to four uh, four principles. Uh, you know, the ergonomics is key, and how your thumb feels and how your two fingers feel when you're holding uh, a large cup or a mug is a really key aspect of the ergonomics. Um, the, the contour on the inside had to be maintained um, in order, again, to address the fluid dynamics. Um, and then the, uh, the mouthfeel, again, as we recognized um, earlier in this, in this conversation, what the cup feels like uh, when it's touching your lips is, is really important. Um, and with those principles in mind, we set out to design something that was intentionally an aesthetic shift away from Lino, but maintaining the performance. And the reason why we were intentionally moving the other ways is as designers, we like to explore uh, new frontiers. You know, we like to chase the what if, um, but also we, we know that there's a, there, there, uh, there's a whole audience out there. Uh, who may be more willing to engage what we're providing, the experience we're providing in our not neutral designs through a different, um, a different aesthetic, a different form. And so we were inspired by the sort of classic tulip cup, which um, for those who don't know, it's a cup that's uh, narrower and taller. 
And uh, that in part came from an observation made during, particularly during the pandemic, but also this existed before the pandemic. But at least here in the United States, particularly in LA, I would actually, I'll speak to what happened in LA. Cafe stopped using porcelain. Everything became a, a paper to go cup. And therefore all the baristas were 100% working in a paper cup proportion. So we thought, what if we could design a cup that has all the great performance aspects of Lino, but then also, again, allowed baristas to not have to change the ge from ge one geometry to another, from the geometry of mm. a flatter lower cup to the, the more vertical, narrow geometry of a paper cup. What if the geometry was the same, but it also had all the other advantages happening inside of the geometry that uh, the Lino um, the Lino line affords. So you will see with this new line, it's taller, it's narrower, its proportions match that of a paper cup, uh, but it, it still has all the ergonomics. And we did think about for those those few of us who are out there who are obsessives and observing, you know, everything around them. When you walk into a cafe and you see all those cappuccino cups lined up upside down, you know, the design from underneath was also considered. Extraordinary, extraordinary. I, and, and are you guys kind of playing with, uh, I, I, I've noticed particularly with your with your uh, coffee mug line, whether it's the rainbow set, mm -hmm. I think, which is one of the coolest things. Uh, it's very, very awesome. And you, you guys have definitely put a lot of attention and care into the saturation of your mm -hmm. colours. I think that's really uh, something that's quite evident to me, whether it's, you know, a very matte kind of moody black or a... Uh, you know, almost like a royal blue, similar to what I have on the on the, mm -hmm. on my walls. Um, you know, it seems as though that you guys pay a lot of attention to the color and the pigment. And is that something that you're going to be translating over into this new collection? Yeah, we'll play with color um, yes. differently in this new collection. Um, in part, just because it will be a different material, uh, it'll be a different manufacturer. So the capabilities that we'll have. Um, they, they, they're completely changed. Um, so I think we'll also have an opportunity to play with texture, which will be um, really different for us. Um, and that just has to do with the capabilities of the manufacturer. Um, so it's uh, yeah. we're really excited about the possibilities there. The design's not finalized, but it's going really interesting and, and beautiful places. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're going to be able to do more with the mm -hmm. new line in terms of color. And that's bo both, uh, you know, painted color and glazing color. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the reasons why is, you know, a lesson that we learned from Lino that, you know, we love, of course, we, we're, we're very proud of this design and love it. So but this is by, by no means a critique. But what we found is in the manufacturing process, the iconic blended handle, handle limited certain experiments we wanted to do with color. And with the new line, We've done something with the handle that allows us to still have a blended look, but then we're also, it opens up possibilities with color. God, this is torture. You're just going to have to have us back, That's Omar. right. That's right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, honestly, I think this is extremely exciting for me, and I'm sure it will be exciting for many other people who are either familiar with your brand or want to become familiar with it. Because you've got such a extraordinary product in the form of Lino, which, you know, is probably something that wouldn't seem too out of line in somewhere like MoMA, you know, to be completely honest. It's a very iconic design. Um, and 
music how, to my yeah. ears <laughs> yeah you know uh, but but how do you follow that up right it's 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 almost like pink floyd trying to follow up with their next album it's very difficult um uh, to do something like that especially when you've just had a hit um yeah. so i have to say i'm extremely excited for what comes next year uh i know i'm i'm absolutely certain you guys are going to knock it out of the park Thank but you. i have to say it truly truly has been an absolute pleasure uh, i've been I've been finding so much joy out of using your products um, uh, until now. And, you know, I have to thank Hannah as well for making this happen. Um, honestly, it truly is because of your support and help uh, why we've been able to do this today. So honestly, I have to thank both of you for your time. This, this really has been something I've been looking forward to um, and a true, true pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Omar. We've really been looking forward to meeting you as yeah, well. Yeah, it means so this much This has been to fantastic. Hear. Yeah, you've uh, really uh, wonderful, thoughtful conversation. And I, I wish we could sit and start drinking coffee in the morning and talk for hours and <laughs> finish with could. mezcal and barrel glasses <laughs> at <right>. night. <laughs> I, I'm sure you could just keep a great conversation going all day long. It's wonderful. Oh, you're going to have to tell my fiance that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I say to her on numerous occasions, I'm like, you know what? There's hundreds of thousands of people that will listen to me. Why don't you listen to me, for God's sake? <laughs> but no, on, on, honestly, truly, uh, you know, I really do appreciate the time. And I, I really am looking to having both of you um, uh, on the show again. I'm really looking forward to it. But in the meantime, uh, I'll have to remember both of you in spirit every time I have a coffee. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Omar. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for being such a great fan and thanks for having us on. It's really, it's really fun to be for us to share all these thoughts with someone who really, who really kind of gets it. <laughs> no, I try. <laughs> I try. But like I said, you know, I, I, I truly benefit off of having the best tools. So, you know, I have to thank you for making a truly great product. Uh, they're very rare. Um, and it's, it's great to see product designers and, and, um, you know, just, just, you know, pr product driven individuals that think of the consumer. Uh, I think, yeah. I think that's really, that's really a rarity, but, um, definitely something that's being recognized more and more in the industry. So thank you for doing what you guys do and looking forward to the next time. Wonderful. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on our new <laughs> line.